On this episode of No Blueprint, we speak with the Associate Director of Community Programs at the Seattle Art Museum, Priya Frank. We discuss her past, curating her best life, and her recent UWAA partnered program titled Short Talks. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. My name is Priya Michelle Frank. Mm. And I was born and raised in Seattle. Currently, I work at the Seattle Art Museum. Mm-hmm. I am the Associate Director for Community Programs, where I get to do incredible community building, racial equity work, building authentic, um, reciprocally based partnerships, and just do what I love, which is, you know, relationship building and making friends and figuring out how we get to work together on awesome, incredible, inspiring projects. Nice, nice, nice. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. So my first question, I emailed you earlier (laughs) and asked you if you had a biopic, documentary, or biography, what would be the title? (sighs) Okay, I have it. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) It's called Unibrows and Unicorns, A Brown Girl's Guide to Curating Your Best Life. That's really good. I'm going to let that breathe. That was great. And you told me that if you did have a biopic, you know exactly who would play you. I do, and I forgot her name right now. I have to look it up. <laughs> Lily Singh. Okay. That's her name. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and she, um, I don't know, I just think she's dope. And okay. she's real, and she's funny, and I don't know, not pretentious. She's like, just like me. Just and like. so, I, you know. Yes. She, she has a well-curated look as well, which I adore. Nice. How did your family arrive to Seattle? And when? Yes. So to take it a little bit further back, my, um, so my grandparents are from Gujarat in India. My mom was born in Fiji and my dad was born in Kenya. They met in England. Um, Both of them had, you know, migrated there for different reasons. My mom was actually en route to India because she was going to, you know, she was supposed to end up there, I think, eventually to get married, that sort of thing. And there was a coup in the Suez Canal, so they couldn't actually make it to India. So they stopped in England, and that's sort of just where she ended up staying. She and my dad actually met at the post office, where they both worked. Both of their sets of friends at the post office were like, Ooh, you have to meet this man and you have to meet this woman, you know, probably because they were both the only like Indian people that each set of friends knew, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so um, my mom tells this story about how she was in line one day, the lunch line, to order a sandwich, and my dad was behind her. And she was like, oh, God, who's this Indian man behind me? And I really wanted to order, like, a ham sandwich. And, you know, a lot of, like, Indian people, like, don't eat meat. And so she was like, this man is going to judge me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so that was actually the the man that her friends wanted her to meet, yeah. actually. And, you know, my dad eats meat and all the things. Like, yeah. it was fine, you know. But, yeah, so that's kind of how they met. So they eventually, they got married. And meanwhile, my um, aunts and my grandma had immigrated to Seattle one of my aunts had won a scholarship from all of Kenya to come study at Washington State University. Wow. So she had come to study there and then met a man, an American white man here. Mm -hmm. And eventually they got married. And so the other family sort of immigrated over and my parents wanting to be wanting, you know, my brother who was three at the time, they wanted to have him be around family and, you nice. know, more closely. And so they moved to Seattle in 1977 and then I was born after that. So I was the first person born in the U.S. Wow. <laughs> that is an amazing <laughs> journey. And you told it so concise. Um, I think about it a lot, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. There's That's just a lot of different factors that make up who I am, you know. Absolutely, because so. it's like you said, your your mother was born in Fiji, uh -huh. and your father was born in Kenya. Yeah, and so yeah. there's so many things that had to go. Yeah, according to plan, in right. order for all of this to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And so they've been married for since 1974. Uh, so that would be what 44 nice. years. Nice. Yeah. So, and they live in Mount Lake Terrace. Okay. <laughs> so they're still okay. here. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So do you still have family in Fiji and Kenya? No, no, not really. Everybody sort of immigrated out. So, but you know, it's definitely spread all over. My immediate like family that I'm closest to are definitely like my parents, my two aunts who live in Shoreline, mm -hmm. uh, my dad's sisters, my brother and his girlfriend who live in Beacon Hill. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the the central fam and the central core of like you're all over me. Are all yeah over. that's awesome <laughs> and then what part of seattle did you grow up in i grew up in lake city okay so yeah i went there you know i was yeah there for like all of high school you know middle school up till high school i went to a christian school that was at northgate okay. really close to northgate mall predominantly white i was mm -hmm. you know usually pretty much the only person of color in my class mm -hmm. and then I went to high school at Nathan Hale high okay. school and that was incredible because I got to meet amazing people who like shaped my journey in so many ways and teachers that really sort of opened up other parts of history that I never knew before. Nice, nice. Yeah. Didn't Luis and Leona go to Nathan yeah. Hale as well? Okay. Yeah, okay. so we've actually known each other for 20-something. Are you serious? Oh. So y'all knew each other in high school? Uh -huh. What? Yeah, Leona like, was a cheerleader. I was stop. I was a cheerleader, but years later, and I remember like being like, she's so cool. Hold on. <laughs> I don't think and Luis and I had math together. What? So you talked about going to a Christian school. You talked about going to a more diverse Nathan Hale. How did your parents keep you culturally grounded at home in your Indian culture? Or did they? 
whoa. <laughs> you know, I think it's... You know, what's, what's beautiful about my parents is the way that they raised me. I felt like I was raised by community. So, like, they gave me incredible gifts. And then, like, you know, my aunts and my grandma were also a huge part of my growing up too and so like they provided me with with gifts also and so I just felt like nurtured in like multiple ways that allowed me to see lots of different ways of being mm -hmm. you know my parents as like a, a couple right and then my aunts both being single and you know the way that their journeys were and like the careers that they developed and like the travel and like all this stuff you know it was also it was like i i had the grounding from my parents and like the home sense and then like my aunts showed me like museums and things like that and all of that is what became this person you know mm -hmm. You know, the culture was there, and it was also the recognition of how important community was. Right. And the ability for my parents to... I think about this a lot. Like, the ability that they had to share me <laughs> with others so that I could have the most, that you know, of everything. You know, right. they... They immigrated here, they sacrificed a lot, they came with very little and they built, you know, a life and they built something rich that, you know, so like I got to have all these opportunities, you know, and like the ability for them to like let, let me just explore those things, you know, and I think a lot of who I am and the way I do this work is because of what they had to go through and what they had to sacrifice. You know, coming to this country, having, you know, accents, the kinds of discrimination that they faced, the ways in which they didn't necessarily get the jobs or they, you know, had to navigate. And I think that was a time when assimilation was very much the key component to survival. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I think about a lot and the fact that I don't feel like I have to do that as much and like I get to take back some of what they had to leave behind. Mm. Say more about that. <sighs> you know, I think I'm, yeah, I guess I get to be the kinds of things that they didn't have the luxury to be. Mm. And I know that, for example, you know, they always spoke to my brother and I in English because they didn't they didn't want us to have to go through what they did having accents. Mm. And so grew, growing up, I could understand. So Gujarati is the language. I understand everything. And they used to you know, speak to each other in Gujarati, but with they would speak to us in English. Mm. And that's how we conversed. And so you know, I don't think twice about like when I speak or how that is conveyed or whatever. And I know that at the same time, I think about what is being lost as a result of that language being lost. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. 
When did you fall in love with art? Hmm. Lucid. Really? Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I think that was the ultimate fall in love. I think what prepared me for that. Yeah. I worked at an organization called the UW World Series on campus after I graduated. It's now known as the Mini Hall for the Performing Arts, and it was a performing arts organization, and I was a half-time development assistant, so I did fundraising and donor events and volunteer management. I was there for eight years. It was such a huge growth experience for me, and just allowed, it opened a lot of doors for me, and just allowing me to explore what it, what performance is and looks like and how that is relevant to my life. Um, it was a small organization, so I had the opportunity to do lots of different things. So I got to really kind of suss out what felt exciting to me, you know? And during that time, I, I went back to school. I got a master's in cultural studies from the Utah Bothell campus. The only reason I even like did a master's was because I worked at UW, and so I got tuition exemption. And so, yeah, I knew that like that was part of the payoff of working for the university and I needed to take advantage of that, even though I didn't really understand what the benefits of a master's would even bring me. But I just knew like it was, you know, I'd been working there for five years and I felt like I needed growth and maybe this would be something that did. And it definitely did. So, yeah. So that was like kind of when I really was integrated and you know but it was lucid that really allowed me to to fall in love which is so awesome because (laughs) david pierre louis was our first guest (laughs) on our podcast who for those listening david pierre louis was what would you say the creator the owner yeah he was the owner of lucid and if you need some backstory go listen to the first episode of the first season of the no blueprint podcast and you'll hear all about it it was euphoric it was a moment in time where it felt like anything was possible absolutely and that was because of the leadership of david pierre louis you just recently did an event at kexp through the uw alumni association called short talks and it was so amazing, and I've told everyone oh. that they should have been there. But I also some, saw someone recording video, and so I'm waiting patiently, <laughs> patiently on that video to come out because I thought all of y'all killed it. Can you tell us more about the formation of that event and, and what you. your perspective was on how it went? Yeah, thank you for asking about that. Yeah. Because it was, it's honestly one of the things that I'm just like most proud of, like in my whole life. Exactly. And it's something that, you know, the, the Alumni Association, we've been in contact, you know, since I, throughout the years and since I left, you know, they came to me with this idea about doing sort of, you know, something similar to a TED talk for alumni of UW specifically and they it was around art and they had done one previously around food and so this was the second iteration of that and they asked if you know I would be willing to curate it and I pretty much like immediately knew who I wanted to be on on it you know and I didn't know how it would pan out but I just had to and so 
I asked my amazingly talented friends, Randy Ford, (laughs) Martine Sepulveda, and Jebediah Gardner, if they would join me in this journey. And I didn't know what it was going to look like, but all I knew was that, you know, I just wanted it to be the side of us that people don't normally get to see. Mm. I think that everyone has a huge reach in different ways, but I just wanted a space to showcase something behind that. And they're, you know, they're all folks that I've known for a while. Martine and I did work together at Lucid, so we've known each other many years. Um, Jebediah and I, you know, through, through various UW stuff, and Randy and I, just over the years of supporting each other's work. And so, you know, just being able to share stories about how we connect, you know, art to our activism work and as, as resistance and what that kind of looks like, but just asking each one to be really vulnerable and telling their story that people don't know. Right. And it was it was a journey. I mean, it was tough, you know, and and I think honestly of all of us from the from the get of when we started to talk about this, Randy was just the most fearless and it really inspired the rest of us to be like, okay, we can do this. You know, Randy was like that beacon of just pure light and joy and beauty. So we each got to tell a story that maybe people didn't know before about us. And I think what the most beautiful part about it was, was that we got to do it on our own terms. None of us, I don't think, well, maybe some of us knew. I think Jebediah in his heart knew what he was going to say. It just took him a little bit to like be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to talk about. You know, I think just a lot of stuff about thinking about our identities and our like sort of journeys to get to where we are now and what people see and what they don't and what they assume based on, you know, what they might have seen on the Puget Sound Business Journal or on our Instagram or, you know, a cute article in, you know, City Arts or whatever it might be. But like, what's the other side of that? And what, you know, fuels us or what hurts us. And I think the ability for us to just be able to have this journey together to navigate and trust each other enough to tell those stories, it didn't even matter if it like hit one person or if everyone resonated with it. It was just like if one person does, or even if just we do, that's enough. And the fact that UW was, you know, UW invested in us. And they invested in my ability to curate an event that would be meaningful and effective and really embody the values that they, you know, around equity and social justice. And so it was beautiful to have creative control, to have an institution work with me and to trust my vision. And to me, that that was just the most incredible gift I could have ever had. And you know, when I talked about earlier, when you know it just, it hits, right? Because you feel it, it's like what your heart looks like in real life. Absolutely. And that is literally an embodiment. That night was an embodiment of what my heart looked like in real life. Nice, yeah, and it was, I mean, I think the folks in the audience we all knew that it was a moment. Just the level of vulnerability that folks gave on stage. And I don't think anybody in that audience was prepared for what they were going to leave with. 
And so I know that I know for a fact I was touched. I know my fiance was touched. I know that the two young ladies that came with me were touched. And so, man, that was it was it was super awesome. Thank you. It was super awesome. That. that means everything. Yeah. It really does. And I think, you know, what happened in that room, like I think, you know, we recorded it and it was kind of for our own thing, okay. our own purposes and possibilities. I think part of it was just being able to have that level of vulnerability mm-hmm. and just go for it. Yeah. And just know that like you were somewhere that was where you were witnessing something that doesn't happen every day. Absolutely. And like if you missed it, you missed it. Okay. So you had to sorry folks, uh you had to I be mean, there. you know, I, I, I don't know. Come to the next one. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I think for me, just the confidence boost that I received from that in like trusting my own vision absolutely, as me. Yeah. Aside from, I mean, I think, but I've learned to do that work a lot. And well, I learned it at Lucid, but I was able to really further it at Sam and then to get to bring it back to something that was about me and like my vision as a result of all of these experiences that I've had to put that into something where it just got to be about like that, all of it, the community, the experience, the ambiance, the the reflection, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like those are all the gifts I was able to receive in my life that came out in, in one night. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And hopefully we'll continue. Of, of course it will. You are you are someone who's so connected with so many different people. And like you were saying earlier, this is your city. Who are some of the artists and entrepreneurs that inspire you today that you would like to highlight? Mm. Oh dear, I feel like in doing that, there's some that I'm going to miss. That's a, listen, <laughs> don't take offense. Just who are the ones that come, come to, to mind, mind Come to mind for you that, that yeah. inspire you now. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Pierre-Louis off the Absolutely. bat. Um, Curator-wise, like Leilani Lewis, Chieko Phillips, C. Davida Ingram. Like I mentioned before, Romson Bustillo, Karina Del Rosario, Kenji Stoll just unbelievable muralist you know graffiti artist designer community builder in Tacoma Benji Anderson there's so many and I honestly I have Randy Ford David Rue I mean I could talk about David Rue for for an entire episode but he has taught me so much about life and joy and love and being myself and doing the work the way that I know how with no apologies. You know, I went through a transition, you know, about two years ago, kind of right after I came to Sam and just personally. And so, you know, starting over on my own and just he was like, he has been my rock and he has been my joy. And I can't even begin to talk about how he inspires me and the fact that I get to work with him every single day. Yes. Build a life that I absolutely like, I can't believe I get to live it and do racial equity work where the work that we're doing is 
I get to see the impact of it every day. So, you know, it's interesting how think about what partnership looks like and you know, like I have so many. Mm -hmm. And so many people feel so much for me that like it's just it's overwhelming. And and so I you know, there's just so many people that inspire me and also keep me going every single day. Gabriel Bello Diaz, you Shout know, Matthew Lawrence, like whether it's fashion, visual art, music, I mean I'm just I it's full and overflowing and and to get to be a connector to connect people with those kinds of experiences that they provide it's just it's it's such a joy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. One of the sentences that you ended your talk with at short talks was as people of color this city should not take us for granted. Can you say more about that and just where that came from. Mm. Yeah. Wow, I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to expand on that. So thank Please. you. It was something that came out just a few days before the short talks happened and I think it might have been Jebediah that like said it first, but it felt like it resonated for all of us in the talks, you know. I think because like all of us are like kind of like from the area we've invested in this world you know and we've invested in this community and like i mean the way in which we hustle and the number of like side hustles we have just to like make it you know right. and not just like side hustles but the number of different ways in which we have to show up and it's not just showing up it's about being you know all the things and more like you know having to be a hundred times better in order to be in the running you know for whatever it is that we're doing career wise and showing up to spaces and meetings and situations where we're the only people that look like us you know and navigating that space and like giving our hearts and literally investing you know our hearts and our finances and our connections and all of those things to a community that's inevitably changing and more and more I'm you know it's difficult for people like me to stay mm. and I feel like you know I I do get to make an impact every single day but that doesn't necessarily equate into supporting myself financially and you know I think that I could actually you know I'm fortunate in that this the work and the you know people are hearing about the work that I'm doing on a national level so I'm having the opportunity to present nationally and like it's coming down to like two three times a week I'm talking to folks around the country around about this work by phone or whatever it might be it's not for lack of like work it's not for lack of like you know like demand or something i think it's just like we chose to invest here because we're from here our families are here and like but like you know i gave you i gave you me you're my love don't betray me mm -hmm. and i think in in some ways it's it's tough to feel like that where i feel like my you know 
the love of my life has betrayed me. Mm. And I am not someone that, you know, <laughs> hates on like the Amazon, typically, you know, anything, you know, Lake City has changed a lot, like a lot of stuff. Like I'm just, I've never been that way, but I think I'm struggling and, but it's like I'm struggling, but I'm also seeing how what I get to do makes an impact mm -hmm. and how it's making, how it's resonating. And so how do those two things translate and, and equate to being able to live the life that I feel like I was meant to live? or like get to travel um, and see the world because I haven't gotten to do that a lot, mm -hmm. you know, in mm -hmm. my life. I know Seattle, but I also, you know, I want to get to experience other things too so I can like bring that back here or like, just don't, you know, don't take us for granted because you know what, we might not always be here. And I think that there's other spaces that maybe, maybe there's resources, I don't know, but I kind of do know at the same time, and I know that that momentum is kind of building. So, you know, I gave you my heart. Please don't break it. Mm -hmm. You're speaking about all of the things that it means to do this work and, and be a connector in a city that is changing mm -hmm. everywhere. How do you take care of your mental health in doing all of this work that is sometimes uncompensated yeah <sighs> that's something that was mentioned during the short talks and increasingly um you know part of what i talked about during that was like how i went on this amazing trip and and the feeling of freedom and that I could breathe and then coming back right to having to like just jump right back into all the things and the 14 hour days and the you know I just it wasn't computing and I was having a really bad reaction and I think the thing is it's like okay 14 hour days or whatever it might be it's not it's not just about the tasks it's about the investment of like soul because when you're doing race work, that's like a whole other ball game, you know? It's not like the tasks, like of like the computer work or like the, you know, you're doing like emotional investment work. And oftentimes it's, you know, with people that don't have a clue or starting at the beginning of their journey in terms of this. and. It's exhausting and something I'm, I'm definitely like doing more research on is like the emotional tolls of activism work, you know, and I feel like there's things that are starting to come out as, you know, over the last few years, but like that's definitely something I'm more and more conscious of and I want to be able to recognize and support what's needed for my staff too, like for, and for my colleagues that I'm working with. I think for myself right now, it's like, you know, those simple things, I approach it the same way I do my equity work as small steps to big change. So what can I build in every day or like, you know, what does that look like daily, even if it's something small and, you know, just recognizing 
the need for rest <laughs> sleeping in or like if I'm working Saturday I don't need to work on Monday so like you know yesterday for example I made stuff in the crock pot and washed my hair and like you know things like clean my house like and and watched a documentary you know like th that's something that definitely helps me like feel grounded and like have an outlet to like start the week off right which has been like huge you know and just very like luxurious feeling even though it's really not and i think something that i struggle with is the guilt around that too sometimes of like well i should be doing something else or i'm not you know i'm not around people or the folks that i haven't seen that i'm missing that i know haven't seen me you know or whatever and i i feel bad and i think part of my my issues are around like the guilt of like you know this is i shouldn't be doing this but i'm like i have to be doing this and you know i remember cat had a question at the short talk which was about like how do you heal yourself in this work you know because like some of this a lot of this stuff is literally about like sustenance but like how do you on top of that then like heal you know i am a advocate of therapy and that is something that has really allowed me to just grow and thrive in like so many different ways. And I cannot, I'm so grateful that to have had that kind of resource. Yeah, and just like have a check-in and like awesome. talk about just what's awesome and celebrate those things too. Cause for me, it's not just about like the rock bottom, but it's also like, whoa, this is what's happening yeah. and like having someone to just bounce stuff off of to like have it like make sense and not just survive but thrive shout out to my therapist absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know there's a lot of things around that absolutely um, which is why i say shout out to yeah. my therapist and i'm <laughs> i'm just grateful for like coming through like a storm and like finding like the sanity and not just the sanity but just like the healing and ultimately the curating the curation of my best life absolutely absolutely and then my last question what advice would you give artists who are either in the city and are looking for those opportunities and resources and mm. places to dig in or folks who have just arrived in this city and are trying to build community yeah so one i would say show up it's something that you know i was able to do a long time ago but i think showing up consistently to things that matter to you to events that are you know dealing with issues that you're passionate about or interested in or want to be involved with and it's not just about coming one time but it's about continuously supporting whether you know because someone told me once about like you know just keep showing up people will people will wonder like why eventually or like people will recognize that you're there and wonder why you are and you know when folks see each other consistently like there's something about that and so 
you know, I think show up and show up consistently. And if you can't afford to be there, then volunteer. That was definitely something I did. CD Forum used to have this awesome, like, food is art gala. Mm. Man, that was an amazing situation. <laughs> and I wanted to go so bad, but I couldn't afford the ticket. So I used to volunteer. And honestly, I met so many folks through that. Um, and then showing up consistently to different events. And I mean, Sharon and I are on the Arts Commission together. And like, like that's like my family, yeah. you know, like we've come up together. And so it's like, that's like one example that I can think of. It was like show up and be present mm. and if you can't find someone to go with you go alone it's okay you'll be all right Absolutely. you know <laughs> I you held a position you hold a position. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's tough but you know what like usually there's some kind of a speaking like you can just listen you know it's okay Absolutely. like and honestly people will recognize your presence so i say that a lot also just I think, you know, small steps to big change is a huge thing for me of like the the goal end goal is like huge or like like I want to be a curator at whatever whatever but like, you know, like I started, you know, with like throwing parties at Lucid and look what that turned into Absolutely. which then became like, you know, like I that what I do today wouldn't have happened without that. Absolutely. And I think being open, just keeping an open heart not necessarily knowing what it's going to turn into, but because it feels right. Keep doing it if it feeds your soul. And I say that to say, you know, I had a full-time job while I did what fed my soul. So it's not going to pay them necessarily pay the bills right away or look like what you think it will. But I, I really believe that it will pay off. And I also say that to myself because lately I've really been like crushed by the thought of like what, what I do and what I feel like makes a difference and is making an impact on the city. I might, it's not sustaining me financially. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And I think I've, it's been crushing to think about that and to feel the potential loss of that. But as I do that and as I cry about it and I have amazing people around me that encourage me and to help me think about it from the other end and then boom, things start to come that are like could potentially help me. Absolutely. And I don't and and I'll I'll just point out like I don't you're definitely not alone in that. I think there are a lot of artists and especially myself as an entrepreneur I think about that a lot like Seattle is building and POC folks who are (laughs) entrepreneurs and artists are not the first folks who they're thinking about when it comes to are you going to be able to afford to be here tomorrow Um, and can you still do the work and so yeah absolutely so have you noticed I guess artists leaving is that anything you've seen or yeah feel or you know yeah I mean definitely I've you know I've seen it noticed it I'm on the Seattle Arts Commission and something we're talking about all the time you know if we can't live here are there places for us to work here Mm -hmm. as artists or you know whatever that could look like I think about King Street Station as an opportunity potentially and and I have a lot of hope there and I think the work that that that's being done there's is awesome and I think that there's a lot of hope Absolutely. and joy in that work 
So that's one example. And I think I just anchor myself to the things that feel hopeful and joyful and have allowed for me to see how the work that we're doing collectively is creating space for those that come after us. Just like people like, you know, Vivian and Sheila did for me. Absolutely. It's, you know, and that's, that's where I am. And then how can people get in, stay in touch? Oh, I would love it. I mean, I'm on Facebook. My Instagram is Priya Michelle, P-R-I-Y-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Instagram is poppin'. And there is kind of a curating my best life situation there on a more personal photo-oriented level. And then, you know, just my contact info at Sam or... You know, I'm I'm around. <laughs> Crockpot party's coming yeah, soon. Yeah, love a happy hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, brunch, yes. whatever. <laughs> Mimosas, all yeah. that. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much what an honor and pleasure. If you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. NoBlueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. NoBlueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Maya Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com.